Welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. A lot to get to on this Monday morning. And this week will be a full week. However, next week, because of July 4th, no one's going to be working, so why will I? So I'm not going to be here either, but we are going to get through the full week this week, and we're going to start actually with the big numbers that happened on Friday. We had the big report from the Bureau of Economic Analysis looking at income, spending, and of course, prices. And I'll say it was kind of uneventful for the spending and income aspect of it, but prices they are moving, uh, not surprising to many. So personal income fell about 2% to $20.8 trillion in the month of May. Personal consumption expenditures, aka spending, was essentially flat, increasing just 0.1% to $15.6 trillion. And the personal savings rate fell to 12.4%, down from 14.5% in April and down from the high this year that we saw back in March at 27.6%. So overall, not seeing a huge amount of movement, which you can interpret it a lot of different ways. I mean, one of the big issues is that income was elevated because of government stimulus, whether it was unemployment, whether it was the stimulus uh, checks that a lot of people were getting or other programs, PPP, whatever it may be. So we did see incomes elevate. And so the fact that we're not seeing a ton of movement, a you know downward trend shows that the economy is coming back enough to sort of keep everything at that certain price point. But that can be problematic when it comes to prices because the core PCE price index, which is better known as the Federal Reserve's favorite inflation gauge. So this is what they look at and they like to look at with regards to figuring out where we are with regards to inflation. And the numbers, not good. Maybe uh, Jerome Powell had a heads up on this report, and that's why he seems a little bit more concerned about what's going to be happening with inflation because the core PCE price index jumped 0.5% from April and was up 3.4% for the year. This was the highest reading since 1991. So it's been a while. Now, if you're looking at the headline PCE index, that was up 0.4% for the month and 3.9% year over year. That was the highest reading since 2001. So there's no doubt that we are seeing numbers that we have not seen for quite some time. Now, one of the positive notes is something that we just mentioned, and that was the decrease in personal income in May was primarily reflected a decrease in government social benefits, not a decrease in the private sector. So the private sector is holding strong and it's really more to do with, you know, unemployment in some states is going away. And obviously we're not getting the stimulus checks anymore. And so the fact that we're still seeing income at those levels uh, is a good sign. But then, of course, with all that money out there, people are spending and it means prices are remaining elevated as well. Well, not all prices. We're actually going to talk about lumber here in just a second. So. The debate continues about how concerned we should be about inflation, and there's no doubt that this is concerning. 
the fact that we are seeing numbers that we have not seen for 30, 20 years, between 20 and 30 years. There we go. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something to take note of. And as we move forward and as we get more into the fall, when last year things somewhat were normalizing, we're going to have a better idea of where prices are. Now, one thing that we've talked about many a times here on this podcast, definitely last week when they announced that the eviction moratorium was going to be extended for another month. Over oh, this time, they're super serious. They're only going to be doing it for the one month this time, but they're not going to do it again. No, no, no. They're going to, no, it's this, this is the last time they promise pinky swear, fingers crossed, whatever it may be. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that damage in a lot of cases has already been done. And this is going to extend that damage. Uh, Diana Olick over at CNBC is reporting that the latest extension of the eviction moratorium is another nail in the coffin for struggling landlords. And of course, the landlords they're talking about are these small landlords. Now, this is an interesting story because also last week we discussed all of this concern that these big Wall Street investment firms were getting involved in real estate and people said oh no this is bad this is horrible we shouldn't allow this to happen but at the same time when people uh small-time landlords people middle-class people uh upper-class people own homes or own a couple homes in a lot of cases um they can't take a hit like that you know a big corporation maybe can um but small-time landlords without question cannot and so what's going to end up happening is that we're going to see a lot fewer small-time landlords because of this entire mess. And I'm surprised that we're not seeing more people out there advocating that these landlords need to get paid because all it's going to do is create more big time, you know, Wall Street evil corporation landlords. And as it stands right now, the majority of the nation's landlords are small-time landlords. They own about 23 million units in 17 million properties, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, unfortunately, even though $34 billion in federal assistance has been distributed to states for back rent utilities, getting that cash to landlords has been very difficult. And one of the main reasons is a tenant has to be involved. So what's happening is, is you have tenants who don't want to talk to their landlords because they're worried the landlords are going to kick them out because they're not able to pay all of their rent or any of their rent. But they're not going to get kicked out because of the eviction moratorium. But so they're not talking to their landlord or maybe they're scared about talking to their landlord. But in order for the landlord to get this money that's out there, they have to get the tenant involved. And if the tenant isn't talking to the landlord, they're unlikely to be talking to the government to get the money to then pay the landlord. And so the, probably the worst cases, the people who are behind the most are probably the least likely to be talking to their landlord. And so they're the landlords that are in the worst position and are the least likely to be getting paid. Now, as I mentioned, we have big time landlords, people that own multiple tons of properties. And then you have these smaller time landlords who own, you know, one or maybe two properties. And they're obviously not created equal. Dean Hunter, CEO of the Small Multifamily Owners Association, also a landlord himself, says that small landlords are being treated like large corporations. 
Hunter argues that these small landlords should have been allowed to participate in the PPP program. He says, quote, this is the most excessively and overly broad taking of private property in my lifetime. The eviction moratorium is killing small landlords, not the pandemic. And as I said before, I'm surprised this isn't getting more attention from people who are so worried about Wall Street possibly becoming landlords. Um, One of the ways to stop that, I mean, because here's the reality, right? You're going to have three kinds of landlords, people that own you know, a couple properties, people that own one property, and then people that own a ton of properties. And the people that own a ton of properties are going to be big time companies, corporations, who everyone's so worried. But guess what? If you hurt the people who are the small landlords and maybe even the medium sized landlords, and you make it almost impossible for them to do business, they're going to get out of it. And it's going to go to the people that can afford to take these hits. Now, once again, I would probably argue, you know, corporations couldn't take hits of people not paying their rent, but because maybe they have other businesses and they can balance out their portfolio or however they're doing it, um, maybe they can. And so what this will lead to is fewer small time landlords and more bigger landlords at a time when people are already upset about Wall Street and corporations taking a bigger role uh, when it comes to renting properties. So let's hope that people start paying attention to this and realize how important it is for tenants to be talking to their landlords to work something out and get some of this government money so these landlords can stay in business. Because otherwise, you're just going to see more and more corporate landlords throughout the country. And I know, from my perspective, I don't think it matters all that much, but the people out there that hate Wall Street and hate big companies getting involved in that, well, here's a story you need to be talking about. So let's see if it gets any attention. Now, let's always, I like to do this the best I can. I like to end on a positive note. And this is about as positive as you can get for this story. But Business Insider over the weekend reported at least from their perspective, that they believe that lumber prices have bottomed out even though the price that it's at right now is still double the historical average. Now, Stinson Dean, who is the CEO and founder of Deacon Trading, expects lumber to trade about $1,000 for potentially the next three to five years. He told Business Insider, my argument is the new normal is going to be significantly higher than the old normal, while others think we're going back to pre-COVID price ranges. I'd love to meet these other people. I'm hoping they're not in the business (laughs) because whoever they're buying for, no, no, wait it out. No, no, it's going to go back down to $400. Uh, They're probably not going to be too happy. So yes, it remains elevated, but it is significantly down from the high. After an intense run-up in the beginning of the year, lumber has fallen nearly 50% from May's record high of over $1,700 per thousand board feet. Now, what caused this, interestingly enough, we, we, you know, if you've been paying attention to the news in 2021, you've heard a lot about short squeezes, and usually that applies to you know, these meme stocks that have gotten a lot of attention, GME, AMC, some of the others, but apparently there was also a short squeeze in lumber futures. Uh, once again, Stinson Dean, the CEO and founder of Deacon Trading, told Business Insider that lumber futures began trading in contango, which I did not know what that was. had to look it up. It is a situation where the futures price of a commodity is higher 
than the spot price. This is when people think that the price of a product is going to go up. So they're willing to pay more in the future because they think that the spot price in the future is going to be higher, which is what we saw happen pretty significantly with lumber. And because everyone needed lumber as soon as possible, and they were willing to pay whatever price for it, they found themselves in a situation. Dean explained saying people didn't care about two months down the road. They only cared about right now because they were in the middle of a short squeeze. They had to get covered. Dean argues that things aren't bearish or bullish. What he argues is that supply and demand are now normalizing and an equilibrium is being found. And so he thinks the price is going to stay between 1000 and 900 So it could be in that range. And once again, that's double the historical average, but down significantly. I mean, when wood prices were at $1,700, homes were costing an extra $40,000. And so the fact that we've seen that price cut in half, now we're talking, yeah, elevated, elevated prices, but now it's only an extra 20,000. And that's, I mean, 20 and 40, that's, that's a big deal when you're talking about buying a new home. And so this is, Kind of good news. It's the best news that we've seen in lumber for quite some time. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Monday. This is like one of the best weeks because you know next week uh, you got a you got a three day weekend, and then so then it's a short work week. So this is one of the best weeks. So enjoy this Monday. We will see you back here Tuesday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>